The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I wanted to get to uh, our top story this afternoon, and it's uh, a really interesting one caught my eye uh, last week. Nova Scotia made history one week ago by becoming the first jurisdiction in North America to put in effect a presumed consent law for organ donation. Here's how it works. You have the option to register your donation decision, and you can completely opt out of donating. But if you don't register, you will have seen, you will have been seen as having consented to complete organ and tissue donation after death. Now, the opt-out system could see donations rise by as much as 30 to 50% within five years. A similar law was on the table earlier last year here in Alberta, but didn't make it through before the legislature was prorogued. You can see, you can bet that other provinces are going to be watching what is happening in Nova Scotia very closely. We're thrilled this afternoon to have Dr. Stephen Bede, who is the medical director of the Nova Scotia Organ and Tissue Donation program on the show he joins us this afternoon doctor welcome thank you very much and thank you for being patient we were having some technical difficulties off the start of the show so i appreciate your time so doctor can you tell us what it took to get to this point i know this is not something that is just done hey you know we're going to pass this law and a, and a month later it's done it actually uh was i think over a year and a half process to get to where you are now can you take us through that Sure. Well, we had historically had a small but pretty successful program in Nova Scotia. Going back the last decade or more, we typically had the best donation rates in the country or close to it. But we started to see that change a few years ago in other provinces as they invested in approaches that we knew would work. We're getting good numbers. We weren't. And so we were talking about how we could reboot the whole program and in around the, the time that we were having those conversations, we had a phone call from the premier's office. He personally felt like we should talk about this. And so when the premier phones, you, you answer the call. And that started a conversation. And what we basically discussed was that if they wanted to pass a law that was just sort of words on a piece of paper, nothing will, will happen. They may or may not you know, serve a political agenda, but you won't improve the system. So we entered into a conversation around how this new legislation might be supported by essentially rebooting our program, and that might be successful, and that's, that's what we worked on. And so this opt-out clause, it really puts the, um, the onus on a person who does not want to become an organ donor to say, this is not what I want. This is, you know, they're the ones that have to do it. Can you explain to my listeners how that would work? And I'm also, con- I'm also questioning whether or not, um, you know, families at last minute um, could step in if someone did want to donate. But can families still step in and say no? Well, we, we've built into the legislation a requirement for people to opt out if they don't want to do that by either registering that intent with an intent to donate registry that we've built. But the other thing we've really emphasized is that they should think about this, get informed, discuss it with their circle, and we will be having a conversation with families at the end of life. But the conversation is a little different now. Historically, we might be approaching them to say, do we have your consent 
to proceed with donation. Now our question is, what were the last known expressed wishes of your loved one? It's not uh-huh. the same question. And so we will be conferring with families. And if somebody did not officially register to opt out, but their families tell us that they did not want this to happen, we will respect that. But if the families really can't tell us that, that they they wanted to opt out, then donation will proceed. That is, that is the, the new system. You uh, have been quoted as saying this is uh, transformational change and that you have every reason to believe that it's going to be a different system that's also a better system. Can you expand on that? Um, You know, I I guess not very often does, uh, you know, an opportunity like this come along where you can make a a great change uh, in a a healthcare system that could also end up benefiting so many people. It's... it's Really, uh, probably a once in a career kind of opportunity. If you're in a medical leadership role, you may get the chance to tweak a system here and there, but to completely reboot the the, the program and to uh, use approaches that have been proven successful around the world locally is not a common uh, opportunity. And and in our negotiation, we also got support to enhance the transplant program and the tissue bank so we're we're going to be able through these uh, changes and what we've done we're going to be able to completely reshape our donation program and in the context of this legislation i think we're changing the expectations of our healthcare community and our population at large we're still respecting the opinion of those who don't want this to proceed, but we know that Canadians overwhelmingly support donation, but the system may or may not have been in place to help actualize that when a tragedy occurs. And, and we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. And, and your expectations for um, the increase in number of donations, you know, you talk about 30 to 50 percent within five years. That's mm-hmm. that's staggering. You know, for people who are waiting for uh, a transplant or for an organ or, you know, have had a loved one who's mm-hmm. who's, you know, died while waiting. I mean, this is um, this is huge. I mean, could be saving lives here. It really could. And in fact, I think it would. And and. I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, be too premature in, in our optimism. But as an example, we have historically, over the last decade, had about a, a, a donor rate of about 20 donors per million in Nova Scotia, more or less, which is a very good number by Canadian standards. This last year, when we were rebooting our system, if you will. Um, we had a donor rate of almost 35 per million, which is by far the highest donation rate that I've ever heard of recorded in Canada. So my argument has been that we can and should invest in a better, different system and and hope for results. We're already seeing dramatic results, and I hope we can sustain them. But we've certainly seen that this has been successful so far. Dr. Reid, you, you talked earlier about how, can, uh, you know, uh, by the surveys and by all accounts, uh, a majority of Canadians support organ donation. Why is it then that um, the 
the numbers are so low for those um, who have been signing up and saying, okay, I will donate. Is it, is it education? Is it, is it not wanting to have the conversation about dying? Is it a combination of a number of things? What, what do you think? Well, there's a number of, of variables that, that fit into that, and you've hit the, the nail on the head for several of them. Nobody likes to think or talk about death, and yet it's, it's a reality. I think that when people say that they support organ donation, maybe the, what they're really saying is if I ever get sick enough that I need an organ, I want one to be available and I'll accept one. It's not necessarily the same thing, but, but to conclude that people in general are very supportive is still accurate. But nobody thinks about death, or not many people do. They don't discuss it. And very importantly, what we have is a, is a whole generation of healthcare professionals in Canada who have had relatively little experience with or education around donation. And that's changed in the last, you know, five or 10 years for sure. But getting the message out to healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. has been one of our major challenges. And so as we get a more informed, educated, supportive healthcare community, I think we're going to see the identification of the potential donor happen more frequently, the appropriate referral will happen more frequently, and then the difficult, challenging consent discussions mm-hmm. that need to be held might be held by somebody who's more experienced and trained to do it. And Dr. Bade, before I let you go, and I sure appreciate your time this afternoon, we know um, uh, that this is the first uh, this is the first in North America, but there are other countries that uh, have this in place. I know I think oftentimes Spain is talked about, uh, Wales is talked about as well. When you look at those countries, and I'm sure that you look at them very, very closely, what were the what were the pros, what were the cons of the of of this of this of this type of program in those countries or is it hard to kind of you know pick those out well i think that the most significant concern would be that this message may not get to all populations so that mm-hmm. our population are are sort of bound by the same law but maybe not as as informed and so we've made an effort just like wales has but we've made a conscious effort to try and connect with historically marginalized communities to inform them of what's coming and to try and frame an education platform to address their specific needs. But that's a legitimate concern. Uh Do we have a law that that certain groups aren't aware of. And then the other issue is, are, are, is Big Brother, you know, telling you what to do with your body? And our argument is the exact opposite. We're in fact asking you to think about this and we'll respect your opinion and we've put in place a mechanism that enables you to record it and we'll consult that directory so if you feel strongly about this we're not ignoring your opinion we're empowering you to tell us what you want to do uh, fascinating stuff, you can be sure. And I know that, uh, I, I'm, you know, all the provinces uh, across the country are watching very closely to see how uh, how this unfolds. I know this was uh, on the table here in Alberta uh, early last year. And because of um, the pro- proroguing of uh, the legislature, it, uh, it uh, ended up on the floor. But uh, you can be sure Alberta is going to be watching this as well, Dr. Beat. I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon and look forward to seeing how this uh, progresses uh, what happens in the years to come i appreciate your time this afternoon thanks for joining me thanks for the invitation
Take care. That is Dr. Stephen Bede. He is the medical director of the Nova Scotia Organ and Tissue Donation Program. So again, if you're just joining us, Nova Scotia made history. It was a week ago today by becoming the first jurisdiction in North America to put into effect a presumed consent law for organ donation. All right. So uh, what you have to do, if you don't want to donate, you opt out. You go to a website and you opt out. Otherwise, it is presumed consent. The conversations still happen with uh, with families, but that is the way that they're doing. And they believe that this could increase uh, organ donation by 30 to 50 percent in uh, in the years to come. Those of you and I know there are people that listen to this show that are on transplant lists. I know that there are people um, you know, listening to the show right now who know somebody or maybe you've lost someone while they've been waiting for an organ transplant. What do you think about it? It's-